You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Today we have a great privilege to hear from a good friend, Mark Estes. And if you were here last year, I know you were blessed by him. Uh, Mark was here in the early 90s as well. But Mark has become a great friend about the last five, six years. Uh, Honestly, it just started with me texting him and him being gracious enough to give me a whole lot of his time. And now we've just kind of locked arms and been friends and working together, walking together. You guys have heard us talk a lot about Mana House, the church in Portland. Portland that we've been connected to for years. They've changed names a few times. I always say they just do that to confuse us, but uh, it's called Mana House now. So we're part of that family, that greater family, and Mark leads that movement, and we are so grateful to have him here with us. I also wanted to mention, before you clap for him, he does have a book that we are selling in the back just for seven bucks. It's Jesus Today. Maybe he can mention a little bit more about what it's about, but he did an evangelism seminar. For those of you who were there yesterday, it was amazing in Saranac Lake. It was awesome. There was about a hundred folks there with us um, as he kind of walked through that. So without further ado, let's welcome Pastor Mark Estes. Preach without a microphone. Hey, good morning. It's good to see you guys again. Be back with the NTC family. Let's go. I hear that there's some people here that love Jesus. That's half of you. That's good. I'm excited about that. Hey, how many are excited that I brought Portland with me this week? Wasn't that exciting? You got the rain and... Got to see the downpour. You know, we measure our, uh, how fast our, co- our cars go there by knots per hour, not miles per hour. And so we're glad that you were able to be a part of that wonderful experience this weekend. I'm glad that the sun is out. It's a UFO to us for sure. Um, it's great to see that as well. Um, hey, listen, um, we had a great time Friday day with the staff. How many enjoy and love your staff here? Come on, put your hands together for your staff. Had a great time. Friday night, I had the wonderful privilege of meeting with uh, many of the leaders, and then as uh, Pastor Greg had mentioned, uh, Saturday over in Saranac Lake, I'm talking about evangelism. And for those of you that were there, um, wasn't it exciting? We, we, We got to see angels ascend and descend. We raised 12 people from the dead. If you weren't there, I'm so sorry you missed that. It was really good. I'm sure that you enjoyed the wonderful weather, but it was good for us. But I do want to do this, give honor where honor is due to uh, your beautiful, wonderful Pastor Greg. Come on. Um, What a wonderful man. I love you so much. Um, What he's saying is true. We've actually become just uh, the best of friends and enjoy doing life together. And thank you for being such a great leader. I'm a great pastor. Um, you're such a, a great man of God. You and your beautiful family love you guys so much. Um, I, I thought I'd tell you one story, maybe uh, that you don't know about him. Um, how many know that he's a great pastor? He really cares for people, yeah. Um, this would be years ago, and it's, I hate to start with a little bit more of a vulnerable story, but you know, there's a season in my life when I wasn't doing very well, and um, my wife and I had um, gone through a season where the finances were, were really, really difficult. And I, I was kind of embarrassed. We were on a trip together, and um, 
yeah, I, I came into the room and my, one of my shoes had, had come apart on the bottom, you know, and I, I was kind of embarrassed. It kind of clunked a little bit and didn't know what to do about that. And I think you remember the story. And um, he walked up to me and gave me a big hug and put his arm around me and said, you know, Pastor Mark, um, um, no pastor should ever have to walk around like that. And you guys would know him to be like this. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a wad of $100 bills <laughs> and had a big rubber band around the $100 bills and he took the rubber band off and he gave it to me and he said, put that around your shoe. <laughs> and he put the $100 bills back in his pocket and um, I'll never forget that moment. I was so blessed by that. I've been... Pastor Greg, I've been wearing this rubber band for the last 10 years, and I just wanted to give it back to you just as a, a sign of our friendship and love. Thank you so much for ministering. I did get my shoe fixed. Thank you so much. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I can't. I just figured we'd start there. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm really excited about what's taking place uh, today in the body of Christ, and um, as we all know, the last couple years have been um, some really difficult years for so many people. And um, there are signs that God is breathing fresh upon his people. And everywhere that I go, we are seeing people that have, have gone through traumatic and difficult situations, really experienced just a fresh wind and a fresh move of God in their lives. Uh, we're seeing it in churches as we go around the nation as well as all over the world. It seems like God's up to doing something. And that um, what we went through was not a setback, it was a setup. And as we read through scripture, we find that God oftentimes brings his people out of a place of comfort into a place of pressure only to get our eyes focused on the real reason why we're here. And as I look at this season, I recognize that what we are experiencing is a moment. I think about the book of Acts when they went into the upper room after Christ had died. They were having a moment. And the Holy Spirit came and breathed upon those people and their moment turned into a movement. And I believe that's what's happening right now is that God has positioned us to do something significant in this nation and in, in this world. And I believe that he's placed you and me here for a time such as this. And he's given you the wonderful privilege of going through your challenges and pressures and COVID and racism and political wars and everything that we have faced and that you have faced to get us to a place where we will focus on the reason why we're here sucking air on planet Earth. And today I want to talk to you about this subject. If you're taking notes today, I'm sure you all have your pads of paper. I can see you writing so quickly right now. I want to talk to you about this subject, becoming a go person. Becoming a go person. And really, if you look at the billions of Christians that are alive today, for those of you that would consider yourself a Jesus follower, there's really only two types of Christians alive today. 
There are those that are called a go person, and there are those that are called a no person. There's no in-between. Either you are a person that understands one of the primary reasons why you are here to impact the world and to be light and to be salt and to make a difference, or you choose to not do that. You're either a go person or you're a no person. And scripture's literally filled with challenges. Even the last words of Jesus to us was challenging us to go. He could have talked about a lot of things that day. If you've ever been around someone in their dying bed, the last words that they speak are not, I forgot to turn off the coffee pot. Usually what they're speaking about is what's most significant. There's a moment about their life, something that they want to leave in your heart to remember them by. And Jesus said, go. And when you look at scripture, you find that Jesus was ultimately um, the most significant go person that we've ever seen. No matter where he went, he lived for others. He wanted to make a difference in the lives of people. There's this special demeanor that was upon him that caused him to have this idea that regardless of a, a person's condition or whatever they might be going through, his, his heart was to come alongside of them and to love them and to show compassion to them and to pray for them or heal them or lead them to the Father. It's what his life was all about. And there's this one scripture that I want to look at this morning that I believe is very parallel to the times in which we live. As we look at our broken world, those that don't know him, those that are desperate and hopeless and broken and struggling through mental illness or have an addiction, we have the wonderful privilege of turning around and finding him. And we have to understand that there are literally millions of people today, thousands around you in this city today that desperately need him. And when I look at this story, I find that Jesus shows us the two kinds of people that are living today, a go person and a no person. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up to John chapter 8, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 11, John 8, 1 through 11, it will be on the screen as well. And this is where Jesus encounters an adulteress. And it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They made her stand before the group. You talk about embarrassment. And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. He's talking about Leviticus 20 here. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question 
as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, I want you to look at the language and the posture from here on out because Jesus shows us six things that he does to be a go person. But Jesus bent down. He started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. And Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. When I read this story, I try to envision the intensity of this scene. Jesus has a crowd of curious onlookers. And what we see here, he's trying to share some eternal truths when they're interrupted by a bunch of no people. Elitists, Pharisees, critical elitists that think that they're better than everyone else around them. And here's this lady, she's half-dressed, she's, her clothes are torn, there's dirt stuck to her wet face, maybe from tears and sweat, she's shaking in tear, facing this fear of imminent death. And the Pharisees are looking to trap Jesus and they didn't like who he was, they didn't like what he was teaching, they didn't like the way that he ministered to people, the way that he hung around tax collectors and lepers and sinners and those people that voted unlike him, that wore masks or no masks, that had a different skin color, that maybe voted for a different president. And we see here that Jesus responds in a way that helps us to understand how are we supposed to live in this critical hour? Like with all of the pressures and challenges and brokenness, people caught in the act of sin or addiction, living on the wrong side of truth, how do we respond to them? What do we do with them? How do we talk about them? And Jesus is asking us the question in this hour, are you a go person or are you a no person? And as I look at this story, what you find is that there's really two ways that we can respond to the brokenness in front of us. And I believe that we're living on the crest of one of the greatest awakenings in history, and you and I have the wonderful privilege of writing history or ruining it. I believe that history will look back. The kingdom of God will look back on your life and my life and see how we handled one of the most toxic, 
volatile, upside-down times in the history of humanity. When was the last time that God allowed every church on planet Earth to shut down? Like, this isn't a usual time. It's not church as usual, business as usual, life as usual. It's not like, hey, I'm glad that's now over. Let's get back to the way things were. The way things were no longer will be. Are you a go person or are you a no person? When I look at a no person, and again, we see these Pharisees with a rock in their hand, and I recognize that there are nine things, and I'm just going to read them because I don't want to focus here. But a no person is a person that ignores the needs around them. And they have a perspective that somehow, some way, they have just enough religion in them that they think that they're better than others. And they forget the fact that the only difference between them and the prostitute was the blood of Jesus. Because it doesn't matter how good you think you are, without the blood of Jesus on your life, you would spend eternity in hell the same way that the prostitute without Jesus would be. Thank you, Pastor Mark. We will never invite you back here again. (laughs) But listen, this is, now I'm sure there's no one in the room that fits these nine things. So we're talking about people outside of this room. First of all, they were prideful, John 8, 3. They elevated themselves above others. I'm not like that person. They were outwardly focused, no heart of compassion. Like they could watch the news and they're not even broken with what's taking place in Texas or Ukraine or Buffalo. John 8, 4, judgmental. Quick to point out others' weaknesses. I know you've never done that. I have. Merciless, focused on punishment, not mercy. That person deserves that. Intolerant, low tolerance for others' mistakes. Spiritually blind to their own spiritual condition. They didn't even see that that there was something going on, that there was a hardness of heart in their lives. They were prideful, unwilling to admit their own sin, and then they were elitists. They promoted exclusion, not inclusion. And you know, for painfully honest, do we find ourselves a little bit in this story? Do we look at this story and... Think about the person, the houseless person, the homeless person, the drug addict, the gay person, the person that votes for someone different or wears a mask or not a mask. Do we find ourselves in a place where we just think we're just a little bit better? What Jesus is trying to help us understand And I hope you get this because we've got to, in 2022, we've got to get the reality 
that the only thing that separates us from those people is his blood and his grace and his mercy. And then you have the go person in the story. It's Jesus. And Jesus comes along in this story and actually does some stuff that's very non-customary. Hanging out with women, hanging out with prostitutes, getting in the dirt. I mean, you, you begin to look at where he postured himself. And he shows us what it means to be the ultimate go person. And what I love about Jesus is that he loved to hang around those that were people most unlike him. He loved to hang around tax collectors and dine with lepers and hang out with sinners. And he honored women. He touched people with diseases. He prayed for the mentally ill. He celebrated diversity. He actually built teams together with publicans that actually voted different than him. He went to House of Pagans. He let women weep on his feet. All of these were forbidden by the religious elite. And I, I, again, I look at the context of what we're living in today and how sad it is that some have chosen to make sure that they're right but have forgotten about their responsibility. That it's more important than, again, one of the great, and I'm going to be careful here, one of the greatest dangers of being a Christian in America is that we believe we have individual rights. And with those rights, we then can ignore our call as kingdom people, not Americans, kingdom people, to love those that are unlike us, to serve them, to bless those who persecute you to love your enemies, to feed them, to bless them. That's what Jesus talks about. And oftentimes what happens is we get the cliff notes on the Bible and we want to read the things that appeal to our system of life and belief and we ignore the things that Jesus is trying to help us understand. It's why you and I are here today. One of the tragedies that we're missing right now before our eyes is the potential of reaching 160 million Americans that are unlike you, that vote like, don't vote like you, to be Jesus to them, to be a go person. It means that we go to where they are. We want to preach a gospel of come, not a gospel of go. Come to my church. Come on my terms. Come to my group. Come and believe the way I do versus going to where they're at. Like Jesus did with lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors. He went to love them just where they were at. And it was there that their hearts turned and they come to Christ so that they could be more like him. I say it often, we look at the world and maybe we're disgusted, but that's what people do without Jesus. Let's don't blame them. That's what they do. Should I tell a joke right here so we're all okay? Let, 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 me, let me just mention the six things in this scripture. And again, we don't have a lot of time, but these are the six things that I believe that Jesus is communicating to us of who he's called us to be as a go person. 
Quality number one is this. A go person assumes the same level as the sinner. Jesus starts, verse six, it says, but Jesus bent down. This was not a posture for a man or a teacher, especially in the dirt and also with a woman and also with a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. He broke every cultural norm of his time and he bent down and got into the dirt. And we notice when you look at this is that what he was trying to do is to get down where she was at at a place or a level in which she would be willing to open up her life and listen and to be loved so that he might be able to help her find a victorious future. And I believe that how you position yourself in culture today really matters. How you position yourself in a conversation at work or with a neighbor or with a loved one really matters. And I think for me during this season, I've chosen a posture. I believe it's biblical. I'm not asking you to apply it to your life, but I think it would help. It's how do you walk in unconditional love and uncompromising truth? It's possible to do both. Just because you accept someone unconditionally doesn't mean that you need to approve of their lifestyle. It's actually possible to love someone that doesn't vote like you. It's actually possible to like love people that just don't think the way that we think. Jesus did. And if we're called Christians, that means to be Christ-like. He set a model for us to live by and how we're supposed to do this. Pastor Rick Warren once said this. He said, there's two basic reasons why people don't know Christ today in America. Number one, they've never met a Christian. Number two, they met a Christian. When we position ourselves, and we show unconditional love and grace, and we choose to understand versus being understood, it gives us the opportunity then for the light to shine through us into the lives of others. And God's gonna bring extreme people your way. We've gotta make sure that we're there realizing that he put them in our path for a reason. I remember years ago, I was in a church service, and um, I had been traveling quite a bit, and I was really tired, and I came and sat in the front row, and the last thing that I wanted to do was to minister or pray with anybody. I just wanted to, like, be a Christian, and, and as I'm sitting there, I feel like the Holy Spirit speak to me. It says, there's a man in the back row. I want you to go back, pray for him, and tell him he's going to preach to people in prisons. Like, this is like a crazy word. I'm not thinking about it. Came to my mind, like, well, okay. So I get up and I start walking back. And in the very back row is this guy. And he's wearing a beanie and a Levi jacket, full beard, all tatted up. And he looks angry. And the Lord says, that's him. So I walk back to him and said, excuse me, sir. Um, my name's Mark. And I was sitting up in the front row. And I, 
I felt like I was supposed to come and pray for you, and I wanted to bring you an encouraging word. He goes, what's that? And he says, I believe that God wants to use you to preach to people in prison. He jumped up. He goes, ah! He turned around, wham, ran out the doors. I'm going, whew, missed that one. You know, whew, forget that one, missed that one. I know, I scared a baby. I'm so sorry. Let's see if it works now. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray. Quiet. No, I'm so sorry. I'm going to scream again, so. Um, second time. I'm so sorry. Should, should, should we wait until she gets back so she can hear the rest of the story? My goodness. I am so sorry. I feel so bad. Father, forgive me, Lord. I lay hands on myself. Pray, God, you just help me to be a, a go person, not a no person, Lord Jesus. Second time, the next Wednesday, he shows up again. God says he's here again. I'm going, oh, my gosh, I missed it. I'm not going to say it. Go tell him again. I do the same thing. He screams and leaves. I don't know why. This actually happened three times. It's not just a fun story. Third time, he shows up and he stays. And I begin a conversation with him. His name's Don Parsh. I said, Don, tell me your story. He says, I just got out of prison the day before I showed up three weeks ago. He is 22 years old. He says, I was put in prison when I was 13 years old because I blew my mom's head off her shoulders with a shotgun. He says, I'm mad. I'm angry at God. I don't know what to do. He goes, I just feel like killing someone. I go, it's okay, bro. Come on. It's okay. Good. And I begin a relationship with him. And I realized that I needed to position myself where Don was at. Begin to love him, begin to care for him, begin to reach out to him. We spent a lot of time together. I finally felt like he was calm enough where I told my wife, I said, hey, babe, I said, I got a new, uh, new friend in my life. And I said, his name's Don, wondering if you could, like, you know, make up some of your cool enchiladas and stuff. He's going to come over, real nice guy. She goes, sure, sure. And so... Six o'clock rolls around, and Don's not there. 6.15, 6.20, She comes here, your friend going to show up? And I said, no, he's going to be here. All of a sudden, you you hear this car. He had a Chevy Chevette. He's going backwards up my street about 40 miles an hour, like 9,000 RPMs. You hear this, I go, hey, guess here, honey. She's going, oh, my God, what's happening? He comes to the door. He's frothing at the mouth. Oh, man, I'm just so mad. I'm just some people going to scream. Go, hey, honey, I want you to meet Charlie Manson. I mean, Don Parsh here. And, hey, let's have some enchiladas. And, and I would work with Don for two years in all of his troubles and mental illness and struggles and anger. You know what Don does today? He preaches to people in prisons. And I thought, what if I didn't? Like, get down to where he was at. Like, give him the grace that he needed to love him where he needed to be loved. To not look down at his anger and his wrong choices and his brutal murder. And today there's thousands of people being impacted in prisons because I I had hair back then, but some guy with hair, I'd say bald person, decided to get down on the same level with a person that seemed like a nobody. Are you a go person or a no person? 
What would you do with Don? Here's the second thing. The second thing is that a go person's quick to listen and slow to speak. Verse 6 goes on, speaking of Jesus, and it says, so he bent down, it says, and then he started writing on the ground with his finger. I love this because his second strategy was to shut his mouth. Like he didn't need to post on social media to tell the whole world what he thought about the situation. Is it okay if I say this stuff? Is that right? You guys all right today? See, a go person slow to speak. A judgment person is exact the opposite. And it's interesting because it's the only place in Scripture where you see Jesus writing anything. So I don't know what he was writing there. Commentators are trying to figure it out. Was he writing Jeremiah 17, 13? Or was he writing Exodus 23, 1? Was he, some say he was writing down their sins. I think he was probably doing hangman or drawing SpongeBob. But, I mean, who cares? That's not the point. The point is, is that he was listening. He's just quiet. And I think that he teaches us this powerful principle, especially in really emotional times, is you don't have to share your opinion or your anger or your emotion every time. Sometimes it's just okay to just go, shake your head, listen, pray, discern, and look for the right time to share something that might actually have an impact Versus an insult in someone's life. I think most people today, they, they, they suffer from three lifelong delusions. Number one, most people think they're a good driver. <laughs> Come on, guys. How many think you're a good driver? Okay, yeah, I'm pretty good. All these hands go up. Yeah, you guys, spirit, God, we pray for these deceived people today. Number two, they think they have a good sense of humor. And number three, they think they're a good listener. It's interesting when you go into the medical field. Anybody here work in the medical field? How many believe that the, the organ in your body that requires the most energy in order to function is your heart? Why don't you put your hands up? This isn't a trick question. How many think it's the brain? You know what the most important, the most, the organ that requires the most energy is? Your inner ear. God knew that you needed a whole lot of energy to be able to stop and listen and hear the noise from heaven more than the noise from Fox News. Like, God, what are you doing here? Is it? I know I keep asking if I'm, are we okay? I think listening to what a person says and what the Holy Spirit says in these times is really, really critical. And so again, here's, here's how I do it. I, I try to figure out how do I get people into my corner versus how do I corner people? Like the goal is how do I get people to, to come closer to me, not pushed away from me? I've had the wonderful privilege of working with the governor, the most, she was, she was just voted the, the most um, 
unliked governor in America, my governor, Kate Brown. Most of the state hates her. I don't agree with her policy, but I'm glad that I've been able to sit at the table to help her shape, shape state policy. And it's because I believe I got in her corner. And I showed her respect, and I prayed for her, and I helped her think through things. And actually been able to, to take Christian principles and values to help shape our entire state. It doesn't mean that I agree with her lifestyle or her sexuality. But I'm glad that I'm there. Daniel did it. Paul did it. It says, to the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, a Gentile. To the person with the law, like a person with license. I became all things to all men that I might win somewhat for the gospel's sake. So listening is a great, great quality. Number three is this, is a go person supports the desperate during hopeless times. And what's beautiful about this story is they're wanting to stone her and Jesus demands from them just like, like, who's without sin? You cast the first stone. And in a moment, it says that those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until, listen to this. I love this portion of scripture. Until only Jesus was left. Like, he stayed. He was by her. Everyone that was a no person left, and he stayed right by her to say, I know that this is a really dark, lonely time. Keep in mind, he does not ignore or excuse her sin. But he still stays close to her regardless. And what we see is that grace supports while Phariseeism tears down. And I guess maybe why this is easier for me is because I know when I dropped out of high school, strung out on drugs, wanted for a bunch of violent crimes that there was a guy named Mike Shreve who loved me for who I was, came alongside of me in my most darkest, loneliest, depressing times, and just stood by me in a desperate situation, helped me fix my marriage, helped me raise my kids, helped me get my life on track. And I'm so grateful that there was someone there that was a go person in my life. Number four is this, and we're almost done. If I could have the band up to the stage. A go person offers encouragement and hope. People need more strokes than pokes. And in verse 10, it says that Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And I'm sure she whispers, no, there's no one that's condemning me. Like, they're all gone. And he says this, I love this. He says, neither do I condemn you. And again, our job is not to condemn people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We can bring truth. We're supposed to bring it in love. But it's the Holy Spirit that really helps to work in the hearts of people. Even Jesus himself, it says that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Like, people already know that, that their lives are falling apart. They already know that they're sinning. They already know that they're addicted or they're making mistakes or having wrong thoughts. 
They live with shame and guilt. And the last thing that they need is someone to come alongside and say, I told you, you deserve that pit. So what do we do to come alongside of someone and to just let them know the hope side? God loves you. And there's a future for you. There's a hope. Plans for you are, not, are good, not evil. Listen, you're going to get through this. I'm going to be by your side. God can forgive you. God can restore you. God can guide you. God can go. How many love when someone says that to you when you've made a mistake, right? And so this is what Jesus shows us as a go person. The fifth one is, is that a go person refrains from any condemnation. And I kind of hit that. You know, Jesus comes back and says, neither do I condemn you. And again, we've got to get to this place where we offer hope and life. I'll tell a quick story and then I'm going to finish too. In the 1970s, there was this phenomenon that took place called the Jesus People Movement. And it was where a bunch of hippies got saved. Anybody ever heard of a hippie? You could find them in museums and stuff like that. There are these people with long hair that didn't take baths. Some of you were them. And there was this meeting in Portland, Oregon, where a bunch of hippies walked into a church service and a guy's preaching and people just like you sitting in their seats. And this one hippie walks all the way down the middle of the aisle and he, he sits Indian style right in front of the pulpit. And the whole church is, is irritated. Like, this guy is improper. He smells, he's barefoot, he's got dreads. He's interrupting the service. Like, that isn't what we do. He's screaming at kids and making them cry. <laughs> and people are thinking, someone's got to do something. Someone's got to get this guy out of here. And old George was in the back row. He was one of the ushers. He gets out. He gets his cane. He starts walking down the aisle. People are going, thump him, George. Thump him, George. Think he's going to take his cane and whip a little Jesus into him. And George walks down the aisle, and he sits Indian style right next to the hippie. the pastor gets up and makes this statement. On the, he says this, what I'm about to say, you'll never remember. But what you just saw, you'll never forget. And Jesus finishes this whole story kind of like old George, is that a go person points people towards a victorious future. Here Jesus says, go and sin no more. He had a respect and position to speak truth simply because he modeled all the other attributes. He didn't ignore the sin. He didn't justify it. He actually came to a place where she was willing now to receive speaks to her and it wasn't just stop sinning he says go and you look at that word and you look at the phraseology it's like you have a life in front of you you can go have kids you can get married you're forgiven you're free that's what this world needs to hear now the people that are broken and hurting upside down that God has put in your life 
He's wanting you to be a go person to them, to love them, encourage them, invite them over, cry with them, pray with them, love them, serve them, listen to them, help them, so that maybe someday they could become like you, help someone else. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Let me pray for you today. Jesus, we thank you. Father, that every single person in this room, those that are listening online, were just like that lady in the dirt, lost, hopeless, and far from you. And Lord, we thank you that you came. You said that you came and died for us while we were still yet sinners. And Lord, we know the only thing that gives us the privilege to lift our hands to worship the Father is you, Jesus, that you died. You paid the penalty. You turned our unrighteousness into righteousness. Father, let us never forget the fact of what you've done, where we were at, and it was you that blessed us. It was you that gave us the family that we have, the job that we have, the finances that we have, the blessings that we have. It's you, it's not us, it's you. And Lord, today I pray that as we even leave here today, God, that you would just challenge anybody here that's, that's stuck a little bit, that is, for some reason got into a place where they've maybe are positioned like a no person and not like a go person. God, change our hearts, convict us, challenge us, Lord. Encourage us, God, put people in our path. Help us, Lord Jesus, to reach people for you in the mighty name of Jesus. And lastly, I just want to give an opportunity for anybody that walked into this place that maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You feel distant. You feel like that lady. And you just need Jesus to come alongside of you to forgive you. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts, it says that we can be saved, meaning that he'll come and forgive us. He'll give us a new nature. He'll give us a new start. But it just requires us saying, Jesus, I need you making a step towards him. And if you're here today, you've never prayed that prayer and you'd like to just pray that prayer with me today, just slip up your hand real quick. Say, Pastor Mark, you're speaking to me. Anybody at all? Just put your hand up. Say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Come on, thank you, buddy. Come on, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? I see your hands. Anyone else? Come on, right now, would you just pray with me? the entire church. I'm going to pray for these three people. You pray for me. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and help me, Lord, to follow you all the days of my life. Lord, be my Lord. Be my Savior. And come and help me to live a life as a go person. And I ask these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Let me just say this real quickly. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to be able to pray with you. I know that Julie had talked about a place where you can go 
uh, receive some prayer, we'd love for you to do that. Why don't you stand to your feet real quickly? We're going to sing a great song. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.